Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. So at the moment, we're going through a series about going back how to build a church and going back to the days uh, in Acts where the first church was built. I mean, what is the best thing to do when you want to build something is go back to the plan. Amen. And so there's a scripture in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 that says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to share in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to, and to prayer. And this was the prototype for the building of a church. And we're at the moment in the middle of planting churches, growing this church even more, and just uh, getting it to a place that it is a community of believers. So the be- believers, it says, were devoted to, which means the relentless pursuit of. And so we have four things that we've got out of there. The relentless pursuit of truth, which is teaching. The relentless pursuit of fellowship. The relentless pursuit of sharing in meals. Yeah, man, I like that one. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Sharing in meals. Mm. And the relentless pursuit of prayer. That's my Maori talking. Sorry about that. So, <laughs> yeah, kia ora, kia ora. So the thing is, is that I'm going to be sharing on fellowship. Why is that? Ha, ha, ha. I love the fellowship of the saints. But in my dialect, it's, it's called fellowship. Because <laughs> I come from up north, it's fellowship. Okay, anyway. So, you know, what, fellowship is one of these things that, that we flick off or we relegate to coffee tea, a piece of cake, and a chat in the corner just before we go home. And yet if God says that this is one of the pillars of church building, then we should be pursuing it relentlessly, then what are we doing? Amen? We pursue prayer. We pursue the prophetic We pursue teaching, we pursue all these things, and yet all that stuff, there's a glue that sticks everything together, like like fellowship. And love is another one. Who pursues love? You know, not unless you're looking for a husband or a wife. That's when you pursue. I mean, I've seen, no, I won't go there. But (laughs) the pursuit of fellowship, who pursues fellowship? And yet, if it is one of the four pillars of building the new church, shouldn't we be pursuing it as much as we pursue prayer, as we pursue the the prophetic, as we pursue things like teaching? Shouldn't we be pursuing this? And it would seem to me, if we didn't pursue this fourth pillar of fellowship, then we would have a lopsided church. Amen? Is my reasoning good? Yes, good. Everybody on the same page. So we have this mentality of let's just flick it. Let's just flick it. We'll leave that for over there. And yet it is so important. And so, you know, you have surveys done and, and they ask people, why do you come to church? And there's a numerous amount of 
answers. Oh, I come because, you know, I've got a friend that goes to this church. I come because of the programs. I come because of the, you know, I like the worship. But the thing at the end of the day is why do they stay? We could have the best preaching, and we do. Give the man a hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's looking at his iPad like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have, is it, the, is it the great preaching? Is it the great music? Is it the children's program that keeps people in church? No. They talk about, people talk about, it's when I have a relationship in church, I'll come back. If I meet nobody, I'm not coming back because it's so unfriendly and it's too awkward. And so this is the thing that I'm talking about today. It's about the pursuit of fellowship. And as we go through it, I want to also look at the things. There are benefits to the pursuit of fellowship. And sometimes when we don't focus and stay focused, we can lose all these things as well. So people come to church for a lot of reasons, but they stay because of the fellowship. It's a, and we're living in a day of social media where authentic, personal friendships and conversations are not being had. And who are we who God has created to be living beings, living together one-on-one? -on -one? Who are we to say, well, we'll follow the ways of the world? There's more than one way to follow the ways of the world, amen. And one of them is to give our authentic relationships the flick. And we don't want to be doing that. Now, I'm not talking to people who have, I'm not talking to people, I'm not just talking about church, coming to church. I'm talking about pursuing fellowship, proper fellowship. Amen? So if you're thinking, well, I haven't been coming to church for the last, oh, I don't know, month, she's, talk, she's talking about me. I'm not talking about you. you. You deal with your own stuff. I'm talking about fellowship. Amen? So our society is changing so much that where once there was church and community within church, and it was the normal, but now, oh, and, and as a church we share a common vocabulary, common thoughts, we have a common um, coming together place. We have a lot of things in common. But now, the pursuit of being an individual and having individual insights is more important, where people don't have to be with others. Now, it's like, I'm an individual and I have a greater thought than you have. I mean, how stupid is that? How silly is that? We want to be, like in the Matrix, the man. Or the woman, doesn't matter, either or. But be, we want to be the one with the individual inside. But yet together, we have a momentum and a strength that even the hordes of hell cannot come against. Amen? And so it is important that we remember that God has put us in fellowship together, in community together. It's important that we remember this. And that it's not just, I need to stand out from the crowd. We need to let the Lord stand out in the crowd. Amen? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Just in case you forgot, I did. I have done that from time to time, I forgot. I'm not the one that's supposed to stand out in the crowd. It's supposed to be Jesus and me. So there's the blurring of the lines. And a church-free existence is what P 
people are starting now to think about. Why do I need a church? I don't need a church. I can get some really cool preaching on the internet. I can just push the button, I can line them up, and I can go bang, 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 all the way through the week, and hey, I know everything. But that was never, ever God's intention. That was never his intention. And so it's up to us to pursue fellowship. Pursue it. You know, I mean, don't be a stalker. I don't mean that. Don't go stalking people and saying, fellowship with me. Don't do that. That's, that looks a bit, yeah, huckery. Don't do that. But you know what I mean? A proper and true fellowship. It, it is up to us to pursue it. By and large, churches have begun to let leaderships decide how we fellowship and put legislation around the way that we fellowship. So we're going to get a group and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. It's like, you know, do we need that? It needs fellowship as a thing that comes from the heart out, amen? Not from outside in. And it is up to us to pursue it. So we have these, these, these people that want... The, the, start again. We have this thinking that we can exist without church. And so we begin to ask these questions of ourselves. Do I need church? Like I said, can we go out and just find a preacher and that's all good? You know, we can, we can say, well, in the old days they needed church because they had to go there to get all the info and stick, to get, and stick together and go. But we don't need that anymore. We've got social media. Amen? Amen. And maybe the time of going to church has passed, people think. I can have whatever. I can even have a worship time. And the person on the worship, it's worship leading, she doesn't get it wrong. You know, she's got blonde hair. She doesn't get it wrong. And she, and she never gets a bum note. Oh, is that all right? Bum, bum note, yeah. She never hits a bum note. And everybody does the shoe up, shoe up, right in the right place. Nobody does it wrong. You know, and if the guitarist hits a note and goes, oops, that's the wrong one. But this is what happens when you have people to people. If you want to do people to machine, everything is perfect. And nothing else is any good. So we just think that and we think, I don't need a closeness of community. I got Facebook. Mmm, say mmm. Yeah, I got Facebook. And we can have, be having a great a scrap and then selfie it and smile. <laughs> Take the photo and say, what a beautiful day. And you just had a scrap. I mean, who wants to call that closeness? That's not closeness. That's not authenticity, is it? It's not community. And because of this, our land is fast becoming a land of strangers. Because you don't have to do anything, actually, to be able to get everything you need. You can Uber your food in. Did you know that? Oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a late learner. I just learned that one. <laughs> you can Uber. It's a really cool name, Uber. You can Uber your food in. You can get online. You can do your grocery shopping. You know, you can go, I want that one. No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. And then you can ask them to put it in the post box outside the supermarket. And then you can send the Uber to pick up your grocery shopping. And all the while, you're sitting at home eating chips, drinking Coke and watching TV. 
far away. Who wants a life like that? Not me. Not me. You can do any you can buy anything online. You can buy clothing online, jewelry on not that I have. Not that not that I have. Jewelry online. You can buy anything you like. What next? And all of this is so I can stay in my individual pod, in my individual house, with my individual thoughts and my individual desires. And those things walking around out there on two sticks, people, I don't need them. I don't need them. I've got me and God. And so fellowship, do you think way back then in Acts 2 when God began doing this and began giving blueprints to, our, to people, did you think he knew this was going to happen? Of course he did. And we view going into the world and doing worldly things as drinking, smoking, sex, anything like that. We, think, we view it as that. But this is a world system. Be by yourself and look after yourself and don't worry about anybody else. But we need fellowship. We need fellowship. So loneliness is fast becoming a scourge in our land. And even in churches, we can come to church that next to somebody we have no idea who they are, how many kids they've got, what they're doing for a job, and we can have one of these shallow conversations, have a cup of tea, piece of cake, go home and haven't even connected. How sad is that? And then we have the nerve to call ourselves the family of God. This is up to us, amen. I'm as bad as everybody else that I don't want to connect today. So I pull out my Bible or my iPad and I look at it. My phone, look at it. And that says to everybody in church, don't talk to me, I'm busy. It's probably, don't talk to me, I'm grumpy. That's probably more it, eh, James? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sprung as. <laughs> I want to tell you the story that uh, Charles Swind Swindoll shared on in one of his preachers. He's an author and a great preacher, and he says this. An old Marine Corps buddy of mine, to my pleasant surprise, came to know Christ after he was discharged. I say surprise because he cursed loudly, fought hard, chased women, drank heavily, loved war and weapons, and hated chapel services. That pretty much sums it up, eh? A number of months ago... He says, I ran into this fellow, and after we talked a while, he put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, you know what, Chuck, the only thing I still miss is that old fellowship, where we used to sit around and laugh and drink a few beers and tell stories and let our hair down, and I can't find anything like that in Christianity. I mean, this is sad. This is so sad. He, here's a guy... He used to live hard, play hard, and then he goes to church and he can't find anywhere to have authentic conversations. He can't find anywhere for it to happen. So he says, I no longer have a place to admit my faults and talk about my battles where somebody won't preach at me and frown and then quote me a verse. Aren't we good at that? Aren't we good at that? Here's a verse. That'll fix you. Not. That's actually not what happened. But this guy is saying, come on, I'm looking for a place where I can be real. I have real problems. 
I have real problems. My hardest problem is not that I can't pray, not that I can't read my Bible. I mean, in a way it is, but, you know, this guy, he just wants to offload. I haven't got no answers. And I need somewhere where I can fellowship. And so it was one month later that Charles Swindoll came across this. It said this, The neighbourhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit that there is to the fellowship Christ wants to give his church. Was it sad, wasn't it? That's sad. It's an imitation dispensing liquor instead of grace. It's an imitation. it, It dispenses escape rather than reality. But it is a permissive, accepting, and inclusive fellowship. It is unshockable. It is, de- it is democratic. You can tell people secrets, and they usually don't go and tell everybody else. So all of us in this room have probably had this type of community before Jesus. Amen? We probably had a bunch of mates that we just hung with, laughed. They laughed at what you did. You laughed at what they were doing. And I'm not suggesting that this is good. All I'm, I'm saying is from the transition to from being worldly to being a Christian, what happened? What happened? And I have an answer of sorts. I think that we are afraid to show our true selves because our true selves are not perfect and godly as we think we should be. But hey, here's the thing. Not all of us are perfect. And every single one of us has got something that's in our lives that we are afraid to show somebody. And yet this is the place, only this place, in front of God, this is the place that we are able to say, Lord, truly, with my friend who I've talked to, only godly friends can come beside you and say, hey, let's pray this one together. Everybody else in the world, they'll just slide you a handle, slide you a joint, slide you another porn movie. But we can move them towards God. So why don't we, you know, why don't we get our focus on with fellowship again and understand all of us are not perfect. None of us are. I mean, the amount of unperfect things I did or thoughts I had coming from home to church this morning, way. But I have a God who I can stand before and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I truly am sorry. Make me clean in my mind, my body, everything. And he is not going to frown at us and throw us the scripture. Amen? Amen. And so we as his people, we ought to be inclusive as well. We need to be embracing of people. That's what we're here for. We're a community together. He wants his church to be unshockable. A place where people can say, I'm sunk, I'm had it, I've come to the end of the road. He wants his church, who is us, by the way, not the building, not the pastors, not the leaders, it's all of us. If a woman comes and she's discovered that her husband wears women's clothing at night and she doesn't know what to do, are we the sort of church that will be able to say, come on, talk to me about it? What about a mate who has been walking with his wife in the church for 20 years and his wife comes to him and says to him, I don't want to be married to you anymore, I found someone else. Can we handle it? 
What about the kid that comes and says, I've got a debt, $1,000. I've been taking drugs, mum and dad. I've been drinking on the side and now they're after me because I haven't, I, I need the money. How are we going to go? How are we going to go? And what about the wife that comes home and says to her husband, I've met a woman and I'm going into that relationship. I don't love you anymore. We need to be unshockable. And I'm going to tell you this. This doesn't happen to new Christians, Christians who have been Christians for 20 years. It happens to leaders. It also, and we think, because I think, how the heck? But we're people. Amen? And we look after each other. It's not that I'm going to run off with anybody. That's, I'm not, that's not what I'm pre... Yeah. <laughs> James, breathe. James, breathe. Yeah, yeah. But you see, we need to be able to put it somewhere. When, we, when, when these things, these, these life things happen, we need to be able to say, I know that person, they go to my church. He's a really friendly guy. I'm going to go talk to him. I've got a porn problem. I'm going to go and talk to him. Amen? So that's why we fellowship together. And it's not just people coming together to chat and drink coffee. It's an intentional part of our Christian lives. I'll say that again. It's an intentional part of our Christian life. We do this intentionally. It doesn't fall out of the sky. We have to do it intentionally. So I just want to give you a few. Are you guys all right? We're all right? We're good. You're still my community? Cool. Sweet. And that's good. So I just want to give you a few pointers about what fellowship is because if it's not just, you know, drinking coffee, having shallow conversations, what is it? And how does it help me? So the first thing is fellowship gives us a picture of God. Each of us together shows the world what God is like. So we've all sinned and at one time um, each of us has have sinned and then we're giving our hearts to the Lord. Now we have a purpose. And when we come together, we show God through what we do together. So for instance, if you think of it like this, um, you got to bake an uh, bake, I was gonna say bacon egg. You gotta bake a cake. You need eggs. What else? You need flour, butter, sugar. Yep, all of that stuff. We need, we need that. Now, the butter is not the cake. That's, that's okay. That's not hard to think. The butter is not the cake on its own. The egg is not the cake on its own. The flour is not the cake on its own. But you put it all together, there's a cake. And none of us could have done it by ourselves. I mean, none of the, those ingredients could have done it by themselves. Neither can we show God in his fullness on our own. It's when we work together and are together, something out of that is created. There's a corporate expression of who God is. And, you know, like this morning, I could have been on a beach in Murawai with the sun setting, playing my guitar. Actually, this sounds quite good. <laughs> playing my guitar and worshipping God. But I'd rather do it here, where everybody else is worshipping together. There's a beautiful expression of God when we do things together. 
when somebody brings this and another person brings that and there's a harmony that underpins everything. It's beautiful. It's a real privilege actually to stand on the stage and watch everybody bringing whatever they had to, to God and worshipping him. So Romans 12 verse 4 and 6 says this, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all, get this, belong together. We belong together. It doesn't say we are together, it says we belong so that's something we remember. When we get together, we belong here. We belong here on Sundays. We belong when we go out together. We belong here. So number two, fellowship makes us stronger. And it, no matter where we are in our faith, fellowship provides us with strength. And we, we, when we're around other believers, it gives us a chance to learn from others and grow in faith. It's food for our souls. Do you know... In the gathering of believers, God has promised to be in the midst of the presence. That's what we've been saying. His presence is in the midst of us. Beg your pardon. But, but we learn from others. I've had the joy of the last few months. I've been able to sit with some younger ladies in our congregation and listen to what they've got to say. And I know they come to me and they say, uh, I'm going to learn stuff off Pastor Viv. But actually, I learn so much when I listen to them. And it's, it's the fellowship of the believers. And I see things from their perspective. They've grown up in a different generation. It's the same with the older people. They've grown up in a gener different generation. And they bring things from their generation that are absolute treasures to my life. And when we are not fellowshipping together, we only have our own thoughts. That's a bit creepy, isn't it? <laughs> For some of us, it's more creepier than others. But when we're together, we're just everybody's sharing stuff. And they've had revelations that God has given to them, and they pass it on to me. And I'm thinking, wowee, I didn't see it like that. But because of the generations that they've come from, because of the experiences they've come from, they have made my life much better. And I have treasures to walk in this journey with God, and it's good. Amen. And sometimes, you know, we're out in a hard-hearted world. And when we go to work and things like that, sometimes it gets difficult because people, because of our spiritual nature, people want to come against us. I have heard stories from many of you in the congregation where you've been to work and there's one person that's picking on you and they know that you are a Christian. And so when you come in, it's like coming in from the cold, being with other people. It's like your soul says, ah, this is a place to rest. You know, I can clean up. I can, I can soften my heart again because these people are helping me out. And that is why, that is why we need to be together. Matthew 18 verse 19 to 20 says this, and I will also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, that's what, the scripture that was coming out this morning in, in the prophetic time. My Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I'm there. How simple is it? You go and meet your friend, your Christian friend for coffee, guess who's there? Amen? It's as simple as that. Jesus is right there. 
you know, and you do things like you, like me and James, go for a walk in the morning around the domain. Jesus is there walking with us. And we think the only time Jesus will come is if we have these 10-hour prayer meetings. More, Jesus, more. And, I, I, you know, I, I get that. But when you're just the two of you, he's already there. He's going to go, you go, more, more, more. He's going, he's going this is all there is. Sorry, people. <laughs> God is good, amen. So, you know, and number three, fellowship in, in provides encouragement. You know, we all go through really difficult times in our lives. Some of us, it's when people pass. It's when the people closest to us have done the dirty on us. It's when difficult things happen and we get angry. And often you can do angry things. You can do things and you think when everything is done and dusted, you lose your temper, you might hurt somebody's heart, you might hurt someone physically. There's a huge mess to clean up because that's the way emotions can work sometimes. And at the bottom of the barrel, there you are in your darkest moment. And somebody will come alongside you and say, hey, here's my hand, I'll lift you up. I'll pray for you. I'll help you. And even though you know that there's some things to clean up, you think now, after you've had prayer, you think to yourself, now I have the strength to do it, to tidy things up a bit. Because we always all lose it from time to time. And the fallout is always horrible. And we think ourselves, I wish we could just go back to how it was. And when you're on your own, it's difficult. But like I said, again, there's somebody there to help you out. It's always good. So Hebrews says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Often we'll use that scripture to get people back in church, but actually it's to get people back in fellowship. That we sort it out, you know, let's sort it out in our heads. Let's get people back into fellowship one with another. I'm going to tell you the story. Um, I might have got some of the details wrong, but that's okay. This is in one of our uh, other churches, and that when we passed it in the city, we passed it in Elam Church in there. And um, there was a couple there called Malcolm and Millie. A delightful couple they were, and um, they would often go overseas. And one day they went over to India, and they were they were in the middle of India somewhere and they didn't get their connection with the person that they should have got with. So there was an Indian guy that was walking past, and uh, he saw them there, and he thought, oh, i better go and give them a hand. Christians, you see. He was a Christian. And one thing led to another, and he said, oh, come home with me, and you can stay at my place. So they went back there, and then when they returned to New Zealand, they told us the story, and they told us the man's name. It was um, Ebenezer. Sastry. So that was us connecting with what God had, and that could never have happened if fellowship never happened. They would have been still probably stuck in India somewhere. But things work where God is in, in control, and if you're doing your bit, which is pursuing, pursuing fellowship, things happen. 
because God is saying, well, I, I, two or three, that's you guys, you're in the midst, I'll just get my son over here, my Indian son, to come and give you a hand because you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. And that's how that works. It's a benefit of that. And so, you know, fellowship reminds us that we're not alone. That was the other point, point four. We're not alone. And I am always amazed when we go over the other side of the world where there are Christians all over the place. And, the, and you know straight away when you're talking to them, there's a sort of a connection. You think, oh, this is interesting. But we are not alone. And fellowship is all about not being alone. You know, I don't need to go over the other side of the world to know that there are lonely people in their houses. I don't even need to go out of my suburb. I know from the community work that I've done that there are lonely people sitting in their houses waiting for someone like you to make conversation with them. Yesterday, James and I were at Kumu. Um, showgrounds and um, so we were, it was raining and we had you know never get your chips wet because you'd never get your chips wet so I had chips and I need to get under somewhere no tables left so I thought I said to this lady sitting there um can we sit with you and she said yeah okay so I went to sit with her and her husband and you know she talked and she talked she wasn't a Christian but she talked but there's something that is in us Amen. That draws people out. It's the Jesus in us that draws people out. And I could tell from the way she talked that she was quite lonely, probably had, they talked all they could as husband and wife, and now they needed something new. Now, I know you're thinking, and did you lead them to Christ, Pastor Viv? I said, no, 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 I didn't. We had a good time, though, and she and I ate my chips. That's what I went for there in the first place. <laughs> yeah, and they were dry. So there you go. Yeah, I'd love to put, I'd just like to put something spiritual at the end, but sorry, bombed out. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 18 says this, But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Think of that. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. You know, if that was my body, I'd be going, I don't need you. I'll be fighting. Never mind. But we are everywhere. We are everywhere. And we are, if we're fellowship machines, then every time we sit down, we're looking around. I have the funniest conversations. I won't tell them that one, James, because it's a little bit grey. I have the funniest conversations in supermarkets with people. And sometimes I'll say, oh, Hi what are you looking for? They'll tell me, and then they'll tell me about their whole life existence. It's like, okay, so I'm a fellowship machine. <laughs> I haven't got much time. Can you just hurry it up? You know, but it's just, it's just that, because somewhere in there, somebody is going to say, I need an answer to my life, and I can give it to them because I am fellowshipping with God. I'm fellowshipping with them. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We're everywhere. So getting together is a great way for us to pray and worship and read our Bibles, but fellowship helps us to grow in this way, when we share our own revelations one with another. I love Bible study, I love worship, and I love um, praying with others, but I love being with people, just talking, just talking, and just listening to them. It's like I said before, listening to them and letting them talk into my spirit so I can grow. It's a both ways things.
And Corinthians 14 verse 26 says, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation from God. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said. But everything is done to strengthen you. That's the summary of the whole thing. So today, church, I just want to, I just really want us to to not misrepresent fellowship amongst the brethren. It's not a coffee. It's not a cake. It's not a tea. It's not a quick conversation about nothing in particular. Fellowship goes much deeper than that. I wouldn't even say it goes down the next level. I'd say it goes down about three levels. And if we want a well-balanced house here, and if we want our lives to be well-balanced and we want God to build, then we must pursue relentlessly fellowship amongst us. And let it be something that comes from the inside out. Let it not be something where we'll we'll wait for the leadership because um, they can tell us how to do home group, cell group, 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 whatever. Let's do it ourselves. Let's do it ourselves so that we will be given to each other to strengthen each other, to grow each other, not to leave people out in the dark. You know, um, Jordy said last, uh, when he preached, he said, we are an army and we are at war. What army comes together only once or twice a week and chucks a few shallow comments each way? There is no army like that. What uh, soldier will fight in a trench with somebody he doesn't even know or hasn't tried to make fellowship with? There's no army like that. What army kicks the wounded to the side and says nothing and doesn't try to help? There's nobody like, no army I can know of like that. And what army has one person that's got what they need and somebody else right next door that has nothing? There's no such army. We are an army. We are at war. We must stick together. That's why this is this fellowship is important. So amongst us, there are people like um, Sue was saying last night. We went and did escape rooms. Um, I'm, I must say I was freaking out when I went there because I don't like being stuck in a room um, and can't get out. I, I don't like those rooms. So I thought, you know, all I, ha- I could do was stick with the people that were there and fellowship with them and be with them and know that when I'm with them, I'm going to be okay. People who suffer from claustrophobia have that same thing. There are people who are meeting together merely to fellowship. And fellowship is eating together, sharing revelations, sharing Bible that God is, uh, revelations from the Bible God has shown us. And so we have decided as an eldership that this is what we're going to do. We're going to pursue fellowship. So down the back of the room, we've got people who want to host and people that just want to turn up. Now, I'm not going to say to you, so this is the way we're going to legislate it, because that's not fellowship. That doesn't come from inside. Amen? We want to be together. We want to grow together. We want to encourage each other together. We want to have a few laughs together. You know, I want to go and have a few laughs. Anybody coming? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is important. It is important. So this is all I have. I'm going to pass on to James now.